Welcome to the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Unbelievable! Your daily home for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot! And the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. Indiana wins the championship. Keith Smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana, what I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. Glad to have you with us for this Wednesday edition of the program. The big news today, or really yesterday afternoon, kind of a late-day news dump, was the NCAA announcing that Mark Emmert is going to step down uh, no later than June 2023, possibly sooner if a uh, someone to fill his job is selected before then. Not really clear. I, I, I saw the release from Emmert and the NCAA that came out at the same time. Not really clear if he was forced to leave or asked to leave or this was his decision to retire and step back from this big job. But no matter what the situation is, uh, it's hard to find any piece of work out there, whether it's a fan or media or anyone willing to put their name with it that gives a positive review to Mark Emmert and his time overseeing the NCAA. Obviously a big, big job as well. Uh, you wonder who would be well-suited to fill a job uh, like the president of the NCAA with all of the changes going on uh, with uh, really a business-type person, a sports business-type person may be the the best fill for something like that. But we'll discuss that today. Emmert uh, obviously has been marred with so many inept decisions and uh, situations over his time. It would even be hard to recall all of them, but we'll we'll do some of that coming up here in just a bit today. But Mark Emmert out as NCAA replacement. Again, really didn't say, again, if he was last to leave or this is his choosing or whatever. I think, though, the unanimous consent is Everybody is uh, just glad that by June 30 of 2023 or sooner, uh, he is going to exit that uh, very important position uh, moving forward in college sports. So I think good news for everybody yesterday, and uh, we'll see how quickly. I I would kind of be surprised if he makes it all the way until June 30th of next year. I I maybe think something could happen sooner, but we'll see. Uh, Also today, we'll have uh, lots to get to here in the hour. Let's go ahead and look at the show lineup, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Segment one here in just a moment, we'll have our daily headlines, a summary of the day's top IU and Southern Indiana sports news. We're going to take a look at more Trace Jackson Davis NBA draft prospectus. Also, I saw the NBA early entrant list of college basketball players was published earlier this morning and a good representation on that list from Big Ten players, so we'll talk about that. I don't know if you've been following the NBA playoffs, but Victor Oladipo had a big game last night, and of course uh, Coach Woodson threw out the first pitch at the IU game at Victory Field yesterday evening, so we'll talk about all of that and more here in the first segment. Later in the show, it's Wednesday, so we've got two regular guests that are typically are with us. Segment two is Dustin Dopirak of the Bloomington Herald Times. He's the IU beat writer uh, for the Bloomington paper. 
and he'll join us to talk IU basketball and more uh, today. And then later in the hour, we get local sports, a focus on things here locally, high school sports and more with Josh Cook. He's the sports editor of the News and Tribune. So that is our lineup for today, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Don't forget to check out their dinner package deals, which are being offered. You can dine in, take it to go, and curbside service still available as well at Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. And let's look at some of the news of the day in addition to President uh, Mark Emmert's uh, a resignation or ouster yesterday, however you want to term it. Uh, lots of NBA draft news beginning to pick up. A lot more mock drafts being updated. A lot more, it just seems, daily news on what's going on with the draft and the NBA combine coming up here in the middle of May. So, so many questions and so much interest about Trace Jackson Davis. I think IU fans are in unison that they understand a return to the IU program uh, for another season could mean a big, big year for IU basketball with some of the other good news and other potential and talent on the roster. Uh, but Trace is, is going through the process to make himself a better player, to possibly get drafted this year, and just to see where he stands in the world of NBA basketball. Uh, so I, I, I pulled up every list I could find, every draft, uh, not just from you know random people, but from legitimate media sources that have done drafts for a number of years. And I'll be honest, the only ones you can find Trace Jackson Davis's name on as far as being a, a legitimate second-round pick are some of the more fringe um, draft sites or draft reporters that you know you just don't know, like you know some of the big names from CBS or from ESPN. But as far as CBS Sports, uh, their mock draft goes, Jackson Davis not in the second round, not at listed at all. They also, CBS Sports does, has a listing of the top 60 top prospects ranked in order uh, for this year's draft. Trace Jackson Davis is not in that list. Also, uh, ESPN, who's that's Jonathan Gavoni and Mike Schmitz, I really enjoy their work. There is no mention of uh, uh, Jackson Davis in the uh, second round. They did mention him as a fringe second round pick or a potential undrafted free agent and that NBA draft.net, which has been around forever, but I don't know how accurate their mock drafts have been. They've got Jackson Davis number 33 overall at the top part of the second round. So uh, you go from multiple really reliable sources saying that he's not going to get drafted or not in the second round to somebody putting him all the way up at number 33. The only other place that I could find Trace Jackson Davis uh, in the draft, getting drafted in the second round, is uh, someone from the Bleacher Report, uh, Jonathan Wasserman. Uh, he had Trace Jackson Davis at number 46 overall going to the Detroit Pistons. So, um, again, the reputable uh, mock drafts, not much mention of Trace Jackson Davis, but we'll see. Uh, if he gets a combine, if he truly is a fringe player, if he's just outside of the second round, it's possible that he could get an NBA combine invite. And I think with that event taking place at the middle of May in Chicago, that we will find out sooner rather than later uh, if TJD gets one of those opportunities. Also, earlier today, the NBA draft early entry list of uh, players from college basketball was released and uh, according to uh, Alex Bozich put a list together uh, from that list, 26 players from the Big Ten Conference uh, on that list 
a uh, number of players that obviously, you know, from big battles with Indiana this season, but a good uh, listing of players, some real, real talent there. I'm not sure how many of them will technically go in the first or second rounds in the draft, but 26 Big Ten names, including Trace uh, Trace's name, on that list when it was released from the NBA earlier today. Also, IU uh, former IU player Victor Oladipo, he really got an opportunity. Miami was shorthanded last night. He had a team-high 23 points to help Miami to a 97-94 clinching win, 4-1 series win over Atlanta last night in the Eastern Conference playoffs, the opening round of the playoffs. So great to see Oladipo back. Uh, He's battled back through injuries, and obviously Miami has had a tremendous season, but he was projected early in the year maybe to be back in time for the playoffs, and so far he's delivered and uh, definitely brought something to the Miami franchise here as they get into postseason play. So Oladipo really effectively last night helped Miami advance to the second round of the playoffs. Also, uh, a football note, uh, cornerback Larry Smith has entered the transfer portal. He was a player that committed to IU football that came into the program with a lot of hype and a lot of promise, but uh, announced yesterday that he is going to enter the portal. Keep in mind the deadline to do so, basketball, football, whatever sport it may be, is June 1. So there could be uh, uh, May 1, excuse me, to enter the portal. There are so many different deadlines with the NBA draft um, and uh, the portal that it's hard to keep straight. But May 1st, so just a couple days left and expect a little late rush here. I'm not sure that we'll see anyone else from Indiana, whether it be football or basketball, enter the portal, but there will definitely be a couple surprises, players holding out, trying to figure out what they're going to do for next season that will enter the portal. And I think we've narrowed it down for Indiana, barring some late shock or late departure uh, or something that surprises all of us. IU seems to have really focused in on Dexter Dennis in the portal. Uh, He doesn't have to make his decision by May 1st. You can be in the portal and make your decision later into the spring and summer, Uh, but you've got to be in the portal. That deadline is May 1st to do so. So Dexter Dennis really uh, the portal person to pay attention to for uh, the next few weeks to see what he does. He's had a lot of interest. He's got a lot of visits set up. Um, Indiana appears to be in there involved with him very heavily. Uh, but uh, we'll see how things play out. There's a lot of competition for his services next season. Also, I mentioned uh, yesterday that Mike Woodson would throw out the first pitch. I didn't read the full thing. That's what I get. It was a uh, IU game at Victory Field, not an Indianapolis Indians game at Victory Field last night. Uh, but last night, Indiana uh, was a 9-1 to winner with really good pitching last night. I saw the video on Mike Woodson's Twitter. They filmed him throwing out the first pitch. They had him mic'd up, uh, but you don't. I didn't. I didn't see any video of the actual pitch going over the plate. He said it was a strike, but I never saw any video that uh, that showed where the pitch went. It just was an up close um, video of Coach Woodson. He was shaking off a sign or acting like he was shaking off a a couple signs from the uh, the honorable catcher, honorary catcher, I guess is what I want to say. And uh, but we didn't get to see his arm, at least. So if you were at the game, I'd like to know: was it really a strike like he 
like he declared. But uh, Coach Woodson throwing out the honorable first pitch last night uh, in the IU game as they defeat Butler in college baseball last night. We will head to a commercial break. We'll come back with Dustin Dopirak. More on the departure or upcoming departure of Mark Emmert, the NCAA president. Uh, we'll talk about that here in just a few moments. Also, more on IU basketball with Dustin. And then we've got local sports uh, conversation with Josh Cook of the News and Tribune still ahead today. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. I'll handle this the way I want to handle it now that I'm here. You it up to begin with. Now just sit there or leave. I don't give a what you do. Now, back to the game. Here's Matt Dennison. We're back on this Wednesday edition of the program. A reminder, the Thornton's text line is open, 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. You can download the Thornton's Refreshing Rewards app today for great offers and savings on fuel every day. Dustin Dopirak of the Bloomington Herald Times, my guest to talk IU basketball and more. And Dustin, I want to start with the uh, late afternoon news dump we got yesterday from the NCAA that Mark Emmert and the NCAA Board of Directors have come to a mutual agreement that he is going to step down from that position as soon as a replacement is found or no later than June 30th of 2023. I think everybody uh, across college basketball, and I mean coaches and media and probably even some fans that follow things fairly closely, are in unison that this guy's uh, tenure it needs to end sooner rather than later, but at least there's been some sort of announcement that sets that ball rolling. Yeah, no, exactly. I, mean, I think um, I, I thought Zach Osterman, our, our Zach Osterman, did a great job kind of piecing, uh, you know, really doing, I think, I thought a fair and honest assessment uh, of his tenure because I think one thing that always gets caught up or, or that I think fans tend to forget, um, and I think frankly, NCAA member schools want them to forget, uh, is it, it, we tend to look at it as though the NCAA is governing. Like basically the, the, the people in the office in Indianapolis are really driving the train here and basically that everything that they do is, is like sort of the personal products and desires of whoever the president is and whoever is just, you know, operating out of that office. And it's not the case. I mean, the, uh, I think uh, one you know significant reason why things went south the way they did, I guess, during his tenure was he was largely upholding the priorities of what the schools wanted them to be. Uh, and, and some of them were willing to say that out loud and some of them weren't. Um, but ultimately, I mean, they, they, they did not want to rush into the idea of, of paying athletes in any way, shape or form. They did want to slow NIL to crawl as much as they could to the point where they never, they didn't have control over it once it started. They, they didn't really transition quickly enough into knowing that that was what the model was going to be. And that's, I think, one of several uh, situations like that, basically, where they were sort of trying to stand, 
you know, afford the train tracks and stalled the progress, basically, and weren't really successful in doing so. But that wasn't just Mark Emmert who wanted to do that personally. It was it was the member schools, and Mark Emmert was showing was was the front was the uh, front facing face of of that um, you know organization. So, but ultimately, a lot of I think you know ultimately there were poor sort of executive decisions made on his part part to not change directions and not convince the member schools that this is the way the things are going to go, and that you either get on board or the train's going to run you over because you're going to lose these Supreme Court cases, you're going to lose in court, you know, ultimately, you know, the amateur model is going to come crashing down, and you have to figure out what's going to be after standing after that, you know, you need to create that before it, you know, it's created for you. Um, and so I think that's ultimately, it's kind of the, the big loss on his part is just not of, of, of sort of following that model and not seeing that it was going another place. I'm curious, uh, candidates for this job. It's obviously a big job, and with how much college sports has changed and is changing, it almost makes you wonder if, if a business person uh, isn't needed to come in because NIL really, in, in many ways, is, is business. Uh, I'll be curious to see who gets this job. I know a lot of people will, but I'm not quite sure who's well-suited for something like this. Yeah, no, I mean, it's not a job that you would want unless you really like chaos, <laughs> frankly, unless if you're really willing to step into something that's going to go in multiple different directions on you uh, at the same time. And you're, I mean, you're, you're literally just going to have to jump on this train and try to conduct it. And that's going to be, I, I think, really difficult for somebody to do. I don't know that, that it's a business person um, that, that makes sense on it, because I think. Um, and, and frankly, if you run into a business, what you're going to do is you're going to get rid of all the rest of the sports. You're just going to make it football and basketball, and that's going to be the extent of it. Because um, that, that's what business tells you to do, frankly. If, if you don't have um, any kind of idealistic belief in the idea that this should be about creating opportunity, um, then you know the, the, that's the, the, the grander goal, and it's okay if people get paid, but it's not the point. Um, that, that I think is, you need someone who views it that way. If you, if you view somebody who views it in terms of dollars and cents, first and foremost, the first thing you'll do is just get rid of everything that doesn't make money. Uh, and, and, you know, like if you're a business person, you look at a athletic department, you know, revenue and expenditure sheet and you see that there are, you know, you, you might have 25 sports and 23 of them lose money. You know, 23 of them, you know, gain virtually zero revenue. So ultimately, you know, does I, I don't know that a business mind gets you there because a business mind would tell you, well, you, you literally have just drains on your budget. Get rid of them. <laughs> so and, and would tell that from the NCAA level all the way down. Um, and so I don't think and, and obviously I, I don't think that's even what a business person would come in and actually do. But still, if you're not governed by that sort of desire to maintain uh, opportunity, then you're going to be in trouble. But I think, I mean, it's, it's really striking the balance is what somebody needs to do of understanding that ultimately when you're talking about these kinds of dollars, you weren't going to be able to keep these guys from getting uh, paid for too long. You were going to have to allow it. Um, and whether how, how you regulate that exactly to make it make sense in the real world is what you have to figure out. But you don't want to do that at, at the expense of just saying, well, let's just make this a business and make as much cash as we possibly can. Yeah, for sure. Dustin Dopirak, my guest. Dustin, uh, I think you covered the... Uh, IU Butler baseball game at Victory Field last night for the Star. I think the game story I read this morning had your uh, your byline on it. Uh, can you Correct. tell? Can you tell <laughs> us more? The video was a little misleading. That was on Twitter for Mike Woodson from IU people. Uh, was it a strikey through before the game as a cer- ceremonial first pitch? You know, I didn't get a great look at it from my <laughs> angle. I, they had me. They had us basically the the press situation at, at Victory Field is fascinating at the moment. I basically had my own tweet. 
uh, by myself. They kind of just spread us out sideways. But I was too, I was pretty far enough down the third baseline, about halfway between home and third was sort of where my, my, my personal sort of press box suite was. <laughs> so I didn't get great left to right. I think it was a little low. It, got, had a, it had a lot of sweep to it, I would say that. It had a lot of up-to-down motion. Uh, it finished much lower than it started. Uh, I, I think is one way that you could quit it. I think you look at you look at his arm angle. It ain't exactly you know, ain't exactly what you would call picture perfect mechanics. But it got there, and I'll say that. I mean, that's not that that's not always easy. I mean, and and I don't know if he warmed up at all. Um, you know, it's it, you got to remember, it's not it's not easy to do if you come in cold basically and you haven't thrown a baseball for a while it's a different thing but the, the point was he got it there and he was very very excited that he got it there so <laughs> I, I can't tell you whether it was in the zone or not it might have been an angel hernandez's zone but i don't know you know so i i'm not sure it, it, it was tough for me to call that from my distance but he got it there and i think that's the big thing <laughs> that's great uh i, I want to talk some trace jackson davis and nba draft in a moment but I also wanted to bring up Victor Oladipo last night. You probably uh, didn't get a chance to watch much of it because you were covering IU baseball last night, a 9-1 win, mm-hmm. by the way, for IU baseball. But Oladipo had a great performance last night. The Heat needed a little boost. They were shorthanded. And uh, mm-hmm. a team high 23 points for Oladipo to help the uh, Heat advance on to the next round of the playoffs. Uh, he, he stepped it up since his return here in Miami now that he's healthy again. No, absolutely. I mean, I, like I said, I didn't get to, get to watch that game for, for that exact reason, but I, could, I came home and saw the end of uh, 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 Phoenix in New Orleans, and then I, I stayed up to watch uh, Inside the NBA, which is brilliant every night, but was particularly brilliant last night. Um, but Charles Barkley did, did make a point of mention that when they were going through the Heat and Hawks highlights, um, you know, when, when basically they had sort of video of Vic, you know, you know, pumping his chest and everything like that. He said, you know, he could be a wild card here, uh, you know, for Miami going forward. Um, because I think you, it, it really is, I think, a wide open uh, Eastern Conference playoffs, obviously, and the Heat is the one seed. They're certainly not an overwhelming one seed, um, you know, in terms of record or in terms of the way they're, they're put together. But they've got, you know, really good pieces. And obviously for him to step in on a night where they didn't have Butler was a big deal uh, and, and have 23 points and play with that kind of, you know, just that that kind of athleticism. He shot the ball well, and I'm, I haven't really looked at his box score until now. For three of six from three, eight of sixteen from the field, three assists, three steals. You know, uh, a lot of old Vic, only one rebound, but still, you know, he playing playing the two guard. That's not a huge deal. And, and again, really shorthanded. Um, you know, with, with definitely not a full collection of what they usually have. Uh, and he goes off and gets him 23 in the night where they really needed to have him. They, they did a great job defensively. He was obviously part of that. It just drove Trey Young crazy. It seemed like from the highlights I saw. Um, so no, that's a big deal. And I think, you know, going forward, I mean, he's a guy that obviously hasn't got a lot of minutes this year because of he's been working through the injuries. Uh, he's, you know, he has a chance, I think, to make a really big, you know, outsized impact on the playoffs. You know, as they, you know, they go in from there to, uh, you know, Philadelphia, they'll probably be looking at, at, at Philadelphia, Toronto after this. And um, it, it's really a wide, wide open situation. I, mean, I think it obviously matters on the other side of the bracket. You know, basically, if and when Chris Middleton comes back to full health with Milwaukee, you'd have to say that those guys are still a favorite to the defending champs. Um, but, you know, there's Miami could absolutely win the East and Victor Oladipo could certainly be the reason why. All right, uh, Dustin, Trace Jackson Davis, I did kind of a, a recap in the uh, headline segment today of every mock draft or NBA ranking I could find for the draft this coming June, and at best, he is a fringe late second round pick. That's where things stand at the moment. In most of the uh, real credible mocks out there, he's, you know, he's not in the second round at all. Uh, so with that being said, 
with him being a fringe at best pick in the second round, uh, does that give him still a fairly likely chance to get an NBA combine invite for later in May? And do you know how soon we'll find out if Trace's got an NBA combine invite? I'm not sure. I think they take at least six. I think that's the number. Let me see. I'm going to Google it as I'm talking to you. Um, but uh, I'm not totally sure when they tend to point those out. I would have to think it'd be pretty soon, obviously, because things are down to, uh, you know, two weeks, um, uh, a little bit over two weeks to go before that. Um, and so I, I would be I would be really surprised. I think um, top 60 to 70 vote, vote getters usually get invites. So, I mean, I would be really surprised if he didn't get an invite because uh, you'd think he's right there. Um, on that list, basically, and, and I would have to think he's somebody that um, NBA uh, NBA scouts want to see, um, and, and I think you know certainly impressed. I think it's, it's a Big Ten tournament, the first round of the NCAA tournament. Um, I, I, if I'm an NBA scout, I mean that's who I want to see. I, mean, I, I know who you know. Shoot, I don't need to see Chet Holmgren again to know what I'm getting. Um, you know, basically, I mean, I, I maybe, maybe if I'm got, got the top three or three picks, but I mean, there's really like two or three teams basically that really need to see, uh, you know, those guys. I mean, if I'm, if I'm an NBA team, I want to know about Trace Jackson Davis. It's like, is that a guy that's worth picking for me um, or not? And, and, and if, if, if he's not, what should I tell him to do? You know, I, mean, I think it, it matters. I mean, he's a guy that if you don't pick him this year, um, he's still a guy that could have some value for you. If, if, if it's really only the jump shot that you're waiting to see um, to know that he can be a, a valuable, productive NBA player, then it's like, okay, well, how do you get that to happen and get, get this guy in the league? Um, and just give him a chance to have a productive career. So I think um, I'd be. I mean, I would just be surprised if if, if nobody wants to see him. Uh, you know, basically to to see him in those kind of situations and, and force him to take some some jump, some jump shots uh, and see what that looks like. You know, in in front of their in front of their eyes, basically. Um, so I would be really surprised if he didn't get a combine invite. I imagine you see, you'll see it pretty soon. And I think it's one of those things. I mean, if, if you're Trace, I think you you have to, to take in all of this. You know, I, I think that's really, really important for him. Again, he, he hasn't had the opportunity to do it because the you know COVID has screwed up the calendar the last two years and last season in particular. I think it was important for him to you know to kind of put his weight behind Mike Woodson very early. You know, he can take all the time he wants with this, and he should. Um, he should take all the time that he that he wants. He should take every workout available to him. He he should basically get in front of every NBA general manager and coach that he can and find out what they think of him and what he think they think he needs to do to fix whatever it is that they don't like about him. Um, so I would be really surprised if he didn't get a combine invite. And, I, and, and again, I, right now, obviously, I think he looks like late second round pick. And I'd have to think that if, you know, like right now, if I had to put money on it, I would say he comes back. Um, but it's just the right thing for him to do to drag this out as long as possible so he gets as much feedback as he can. All right, Dustin, 26 Big Ten players as of this morning. Uh, had declared uh, for the NBA draft and were on the early entry list that was provided this morning by the NBA. I'm not sure of those, how many will actually get drafted in the first and second round. Obviously, there's some definite draft picks among that list, but I'm not sure how many. Uh, is 26, is that, a, is that an average number for the Big Ten Conference in recent years, or do you have any idea how that uh, stands out as far as players leaving early for the NBA from the Big Ten? I think it ha- I think it would have to be high, but I mean, one thing I noticed looking at that that stood out to me um, was that a big reason why it's as high as it is is early entry just means they have eligibility less, and what that means is you're talking some fifth-year guys in that uh, that have six years of eligibility if they want them 
um, but are but are going in are, but but are in the draft just to say uh, okay just throw me in there you know I'll, I'll just see if anybody um, it, it, it's guys that are deciding whether or not they want to take their sixth COVID year uh, or they want to you know go play professionally or whatever like Sasha Stefanovic's in there you know like that that's one for you like does Sasha Stefanovic really think he's the only NBA I doubt you know but he's been through five years of college already I don't think he sees any need to go play a six year um you know if, if he gets drafted he gets drafted great but otherwise you know go to the g league or go to europe um you know i think that's kind of where some of those guys are at that it's just like i don't really need my sixth year um but some of those guys count as early entries it's just like yeah okay i'll throw my name in the hat just in case you guys think i'm better you know that, that i'm at that level um but otherwise you know i'm just ready to start my professional career my professional life um, you know, Eric Hunter's in there too. I mean, I think he's also in the transfer portal and it's just sort of like, okay, what, what, what's better for me after four years? Um, does it make more sense for me to go to, um, you know, get a professional opportunity or whatever? Maybe you guys like something about me or, or go, you know, play someplace else for a fifth year. Um, so I think that's a, a big driving force of it there. I don't have the whole list, but I mean, that just stood out to me. He's those guys, uh, is going to Purdue. I no, those two, I know them pretty well, haven't covered them at Purdue, and, and you, know, you, you get a lot of access to those guys who get to know them. They're not delusional. <laughs> you know, they're not under any belief that they're going to be um, drafted by the NBA. Maybe they've got a G League shot, but I, I don't think they, they think that they're in that uh, category at all. But, I mean, I think there's just a, a, a lot of guys are going to be entered because, you know, the, the other alternative is play a six-year of college. You know, it's just you might as well throw your name in the hat just to say you did it, but, you know, you're probably not going to get picked and you know it. All right, Dustin. One other uh, one other topic I want to bring up. Uh, I'm still trying to figure out this NIL game, and I think probably a lot of people yeah, are. We all are. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of collectives out there. You wonder which will which of those will stick and which won't. There's a lot of different people, uh, companies getting involved in the uh, name, image, and likeness process. And one that stood out to me because of who they are, Learfield, who has the broadcast rights for so many schools and is just deeply, deeply involved in college sports. They are going to partner with Open Doors, which is a company that IU was one of the first schools to ink a deal with them to help prepare their athletes, create profiles for their athletes to make them more likely to be able to and accessible to get NIL deals uh, from all levels for all sports. Uh, they partnered Learfield and Open Doors, and I'm not sure exactly what this means or exactly how this could play out, but I've seen it stated multiple places that this could be really good for the Big Ten, specifically IU. They're going to be some of the first athletes to get a shot uh, with this new Learfield uh, getting in this space. Yeah, no, I mean, my guess with that is that it it, 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 it almost takes it out of the space of caring who you play for. And I think that's sort of a, a, the, an, an interesting deal there that we haven't really seen take off yet um, is the idea that you know, uh, it, it seems like a lot of these NAL deals, what we've seen so far, have been regional. Have been sort of connected to who you play for. You know, like you, you know, you you get a, a deal with this company because it's based out of Bloomington, or you do, you know, based out of Indianapolis or whatever. And you know, they're they're more sort of targetedly marketing um, and and going after people that are going to sell well in their market. You know, somebody like Learfield getting involved uh, on a big level and saying, okay, like we just. You know, we, we want to be able to use these guys, you know, for our overall company, our overall corporation. And, and it, it spans a lot of teams uh, that we cover and we, and we do radio for. So basically, as far as where you're going, you can go wherever you want. But, I mean, it, it has value for us to maybe do a radio show with you or, or, or just have you on for a spot saying, you know, something about Learfield or whatever um, and finding ways to kind of use you as part of the overall marketing. 
campaign. I mean, it, like, it, I mean, I think one sort of area that I think it, it um, you know, like for instance, like you, you have um, when, when you coaches co- contracts, like usually it, it, it's usually not even like maybe even more than half. Like when you really look at it, it's like half of it is base salary and half of it is outside promote, you know, marketing, promotional income. And that's some of what that is, is, you know, doing a radio show or something like that. And I think that's, you know, those are spaces where leadership might get into is just starting having these guys on radio shows um, and, and basically incorporating that and finding ways of paying these guys to, you know, kind of be a piece of their overall media campaign. Um, so that's going to be interesting, I think. I mean, I don't know. It, it certainly, I think, will help you more if you're Learfield, but I imagine whoever Learfield's competitor is, and frankly, I don't even know who Learfield's competitor is because I think that's, you know, that's kind of the only name I know in that space. Um, that, you know, they're going to make that a piece of, of the NIL process, which kind of makes, you know, a, a logical kind of end game sense uh, to basically just, you know, increase these guys' brand by increasing uh, their media opportunities, giving them radio shows, getting them on radio, getting them on, you know, the airwaves in some way, shape, or form. So they got more of a chance uh, to talk and to build their brand. And I think that's going to be sort of fascinating to watch because it's going to force these guys um, to get further along from a media perspective. It's a whole different ballgame to go on and, and talk for, you know, be interviewed or whatever for 20 minutes, half an hour on a radio show. Uh, on a relatively constant basis than it is to, um, you know, just give a 15, 30 second endorsement. I mean, so that's going to be intriguing to see what this does in terms of pushing these guys, um, you know, as far as their media literacy is concerned, as far as their, their understanding of, of how to, you know, how to relate to media. It'll be interesting how that changes, you know, um, interactions with reporters who aren't paying them any money. Um, so, you know, that's going to be very intriguing, I think, how, how it goes. I don't know if it's a situation that's going to change the balance um, as far as, you know, who's better off in the NIL space team wise. Um, but I think it is going to be a, a certainly very productive, lucrative thing for these kids. And it's going to really change the way that I think they develop as far as, um, you know, their sort of media skills, I guess you could say. Yeah. I've said this before. It's going to be really interesting to look back five, just five years from now and see oh, yeah. what sticks, mm-hmm. what doesn't, uh, you know, how the NIL process plays out. And I think we're just beginning to see that really the tip of the iceberg here with what affects and changes and, and who's going to get in this game uh, is what we've seen so far just in, in its infancy, really, is everybody kind of trying to figure it out. So uh, this is going to be an interesting piece to watch moving forward. Absolutely. No, for sure. It's going to be very intriguing. Real quick, uh, before we let you go, Dexter Dennis, someone asked, Please ask Dustin if he knows any update. Does he have any visits set? And has he got a target for when he may make a decision, an announcement on where he's going to play at next season? Uh, that I don't know. i got to get in with Dexter, to be, to be honest. I haven't had a chance. I haven't been able to uh, create any connections there yet to, to talk with him directly. Um, I know just from following him on social media that he was going to narrow it down to a top five, which you know I think the first uh, – the reply I saw, and it was like, stop dragging this out. Just get it over <laughs> with. Make a decision. Because um, I know, obviously, he, he visited Indiana, and he visited Clemson the next day. Um, so I don't know how many, you know, how, how big he plans on going. Obviously, Indiana's highly, highly interested in him. Um, you know, you, you would think this the way that, how quickly his uh, uh, visits were moving there, that he would be closer to a decision than talking about a top five. Um, so I would expect... I would just expect generally that, uh, you know, within a week or two, you know, you'll, you'll know where he's going. Um, and that's not based on any like particular Intel, but just, you know, the general timelines for where these things go, uh, you know, as far as transfers are concerned for a whole bunch of obvious reasons, they don't tend to drag out that long, uh, unless guys just can't find a place to play, which is a more difficult situation But when their desire tends to move quickly, um, because, you know, they got to get a whole bunch of things set up and do it fast. 
Um, so I, I wouldn't expect that to drag out for too much longer. If it's, if it's more than a week or two weeks, I'd be shocked. Got it. Dustin Dopirak with the Bloomington Herald Times. He joins us Wednesdays to talk IU basketball and more. Dustin, as always, appreciate the, the chat. We'll do it again. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. All right. We'll head to a commercial break. Come back with our final segment in this Wednesday program. It's Josh Cook, sports editor of the News and Tribune, presented by Major League Shirt Company. Lots of local stuff to talk about on the sports scene. We'll do that next with Josh. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Let's win this and for all the small schools who never had a chance to get here. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Let's win for Coach. You got us here. Here's Matt Dennison. All right, we're back here on this Wednesday program. Josh Cook, sports editor of the News and Tribune, is going to join me in just a second. This segment brought to you by Major League Shirt Company. Major League Shirt Company offers custom apparel to meet all of your needs, including T-shirts, uniforms, corporate wear, and promotional items. Let Major League Shirt Company outfit your team or organization today. Visit mlshirtco.com to find out more. That's mlshirtco.com. To find out more real quick, I said, as we get to May 1st, there's going to be some surprising late additions to the NCAA transfer portal. Uh, One of those, uh, Luke Brown, that played at Blackford. Remember, he committed to Stetson and transferred before the season ever began to Ball State. I thought maybe it would work out for him with uh, Michael Lewis, the new Ball State coach, but it's being reported uh, by multiple sources here within the last few minutes that Luke Brown has uh, entered the transfer portal after uh, going from Stetson to Ball State. He's likely going to play somewhere else next year. There were a lot of people in this area that saw Luke Brown play uh, that thought he should be a Hoosier. He could play higher than a mid-major level. And then another transfer portal name to watch, uh, Chattanooga down in Tennessee, Malachi Smith. He averaged 20 points, 7 rebounds, and 3 assists this past season. There will be all sorts of big schools all over him here now that he's entered the portal late April. Josh Cook with me. Josh, Luke Brown transferring again. I know. I'm surprised. That's uh, that's interesting. Um, you know, he he did end up playing, uh, I don't know how many games this year for Ball State, but he ended up playing maybe 10 or 12 games. And, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's a surprise. But, uh, you know, best luck to him wherever he goes. That's interesting. I saw Kentucky got another, uh, got a grad transfer. So that's uh that's big for them. <laughs> yeah, the portal is active, something that just added to, in some ways, the excitement of the offseason. And then I'm sure for coaches, it's nothing but pure craziness trying to manage their, <laughs> right. their rosters. I want to quickly get to some local stuff with you. There's a ton of stuff we need to cover. Unfortunately, we're not going to get to all of it. But high school baseball, that season is moving along and it's hard to believe that May 1 is going to be here soon. And before too long, we'll be talking about the Hoosier Hills Conference Tournament in the middle of the month. And then, of course, later this month when we get to the holiday, we'll be talking about uh, sectionals across the state. So a big final month of baseball coming up. What are your thoughts so far? Yeah, it's it's been uh, it's been a good season so far. And, you know, like it's only going to get it's only going to get better and more interesting, I think, um, you know, uh, in Class A, Borden's ranked uh, third still, you know, after starting number one, and they're, uh, you know, they're having a good season. Uh, 
Bearcats didn't didn't think they'd probably end up with a as good a record as they did last year, but they're still they're still playing well. So they've done well. And in two A, Providence um, isn't number one, but they've played a really tough schedule, and they're uh, you know they're about five hundred now, I think. But they're uh, you know they're they're coming along. And they'll be they'll be fine once once the postseason gets here, I'm sure. And three A, you got um, you know Silver Creek still ranked in the top ten. They're having a really good year. And then 4A, you've got the you've got the three teams locally: Jeff, uh, Floyd Central, New Albany, who are playing well. Uh, Floyd Central's Dylan Hogan threw his second no-hitter of the season last night. He threw one against uh, Madison uh, just less than two weeks ago, and then last night he threw one uh, against North Harrison. So that's that's, that's big for him. And uh, you know, congratulations to that kid. That's that's awesome. Two two in one season. Yeah, that's amazing. I'm glad you you brought that up. He. He's been an outstanding pitcher so far this season for Floyd Central. I still have not seen the Highlanders play, but look forward to getting the chance to see him here in the coming weeks, maybe the, the Hoosier Hills Conference Tournament. But the high school baseball, we will be talking about uh, the postseason before you know it as spring sports and really high school sports will wrap up for the year as we get into late May and early June. Most of it will be done, and we'll be thinking about high school football uh, Josh Cook, my guest, this segment brought to you by Major League Shirt Company. Josh, uh, I mentioned earlier in the week on the show, and you wrote about it as well, that Josh Rogers came out of the bullpen over the weekend for the first time ever, at least in his pro and minor league baseball career that I can remember. He wasn't starting uh, in a game. He he came in as relief. Yeah, he's come out of the bullpen before, maybe with the Orioles, I guess. But yeah, that's uh, it's definitely not something he's done in Washington so far. So that was interesting to see. And he only threw two thirds of an inning, so that that was interesting. But uh, he's still, I think he's still scheduled to throw tomorrow's game uh, against Miami. But they're playing Miami at like one o'clock in the afternoon. And yeah, he's still he's still their scheduled starter. So that that's interesting. I, I don't know. Um, maybe just to give him a little bit of a. Uh, a look or a warm up or whatever for his next start, but uh, yeah, it's, they're definitely uh, you know they're definitely using him uh, as much as they can. But that, you know this has been awesome for Josh to Josh to stay up there. You know initially he wasn't on the uh, opening day roster, and then he got um, you know they had an injury and he got called up. So you know that's great that he's been able to stick up there and stay up there. And you know it's uh, you know I love to see these social media posts too of of uh, you know, Josh and some of his antics, uh, you know, there was one of, of him walking in with, uh, with another one of his teammates and kind of, kind of jumping on him or, you know, having fun with him. So that, that's great. You know, that's obviously something that everybody around here has come to expect from him, but that's, uh, you know, it's fun to see that kind of stuff on, on Twitter. I didn't recall his bullpen opportunity for the Orioles. I thought the, the one over the weekend was his first, but I guess when you're at the uh, big show, you'll, You'll take whatever kind of opportunity you, you've got. And knowing Josh, I think he's grateful for every chance he gets to get out there. So we will be interesting to see the rest of the way uh, what type of contribution he's able to make for the Nationals and if he's able to stay up with the big league club or if he goes back down into the uh, to the minor league system. But Josh Cook with me. Josh, uh, you can read his work at newsandtribune.com slash sports. And I know I've said this a week ago, uh, but it's time to talk about the, the Netsby Awards, which is a first-class award ceremony to cap high school sports for the uh, 21-22 season. So remind me next week, we'll go through the categories and some of the finalists and talk more about the event. That is always a really fun night, and I look forward to that. 
Yeah, super fun. That's too. June 21st at Eastside Christian Church in Jeffersonville. Mark your calendars. All right, Josh, thank you. We'll talk next week. Sounds good, man. Thanks so much. That's going to wrap things up for this uh, Wednesday program. Check us out as a podcast. If you missed the live show, all you got to do is search for the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Back with you Thursday at 11 a.m. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison.